Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to taste in. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got on the option? No, oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in New York City. I am at Connor McDowell on Twitter and Instagram. Wait, I just like switched up the format and did that. Isn't that fun? Well, you're on the quest for more followers, so it's not got to respect. <laughs> Dylan, that was private. <laughs> While you're at that, I'm at Dylan McDowell. Now that Dylan's outed me mm-hmm. for the second time in my life. Wait, that's why. Okay, moving on. Dylan, I, the energy is already great. I'm so excited. I know. There's there's so many things I immediately want to jump into. We're having a great time kikiing with our guests so far. But there is something that I want to address just with you before we talk to them. What did I do? No, it's not what you've done. It's that we haven't gotten the chance to talk about Drag Race yet. I know. Okay, and there's been so much going on. We, we have a winner from season 12. That's how long it's been since we've talked about Drag Race. And I think that she is the rightful winner of the season. 100%. Absolutely. I, we love Jada. And we've actually been like rewatching old seasons of Drag Race because we are still quarantining. <laughs> and um, I was just gagged like two hours ago, we were watching season six. There is a double Shantae you stay in season six and no one remembers it. It's been lost to history. I was shook to my core and I've seen this episode before. Um Darian Lake and Ben De La Creme. Spoiler. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot of Drag Race right now. We have All Stars 5. We have Canada's Drag Race. And then, of course, you and I have How's Your Head, Hun? With Michelle Visage going on. <laughs> yes, on Wow, WoW Plus or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, WoW Presents Plus. What are your thoughts on All Stars 5? I think it's a great season. Mm-hmm. I went into it thinking um, it was Shea Coulee's to lose. And I still feel that way. I think she's killing it. But um, Jujube is, she's chewing the scenery. She's got it. She I is. think they are final two and maybe Alexis Mateo up there with them. Bam. I love her. I think that she's in the final three, even though she hasn't won any challenges yet. Seem to be pushing Cracker. They do. Which is great. She's fun. She's fun. You could tell Rue did not, was not enjoying her Gaga Star is Born snatch game. No, I mean, I think she was very prepared and she just kind of tried to shoehorn all of her responses into all of the answers, but she wasn't as improv as Alexis Mateo or Juju B for that matter, or Shay. I know, Shay was great. I mean, Shay's had so many iconic runway looks too. And I think she turned it out. That one where they sang that song, that, where they all had to write a verse to the song. I think it was like the second episode. To the song, I'm in love. Mm-hmm. It was so fun. Unbelievable. I know. Shay's just, she's great. And I love that her vulnerability of sharing how losing, you know, season nine was like heartbreaking and devastating. I never really thought about how like fans would bring that up to her and like that it was a moment of shame for her. So I just feel like this could be righting the wrongs. Not that Sasha didn't deserve it. Well, it's so strange to me that the way that fans, and we can maybe even talk to our guests about this, feel like the way that they can act at the stage door or like at like a meet and greet line. Like the fact that she said that fans would like remove their hat and flower petals would come out. Like that's got to be triggering. And like the things that people probably bring to those lines is, I mean, it's it's strange. I think that the the fan entertainer connection can be a little complicated. Agree. Okay, wait, I have two questions about All Stars 5 before we jump in with our guest. First one. Okay. Um, do you think that they will do a battle for the queens where someone comes back in the competition? Because we're at five queens now. I don't know how many episodes are left in the season. Otherwise, I could predict. You had a fun idea that you thought everyone would come back for Snatch Game. I did. And then they, they could not possibly win back. But I don't know. They usually always do it. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Who do you think would come back? Derek Barry? Oh, she brings the drama. I think... Maybe Angina went a little soon, but I also don't think she was prepared. Fair. Okay, my other question is, who's winning the season, in your opinion? 100% Shea Coulee. It's like the Alaska season two situation where it's someone's to lose. All right. Love it. Yeah. And we can talk about Canada's Drag Race another time because I just, there's plenty of thoughts there, but it's only been like an episode so far. Okay, can we bring our guest in, please? 
We'll bring our guest in because I can tell that they might have had some thoughts too about what we were talking about, but we'll see. Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> All right, Dylan. There's other things to discuss. Our guest today is the Lucille Lortel Award-winning and double drama desk-nominated superstar known for his role in, the, in leading the viral sensation Be More Chill to audiences worldwide as Michael Mel. In true drama fashion, his career began in the second national tour of Spring Awakening as Otto, followed by his Broadway debut singing Light of the World in the 40th anniversary revival of Stephen Schwartz's Godspell. It seems he's rarely not on stage, having appeared in Here Lies Love, Tick, Tick, Boom, The Lightning Thief, Brooklyn Crush, and more off-Broadway. His frequent collaborations with Tony nominee Joe Iconis culminated in his acclaimed cabaret duo show and album, Two-Player Game, which is now available via Ghostlight Records. He has been seen on TV on Bull, Divorce, The View, David Letterman, James Corden, The Tony Awards, and so much more including Superstore, but we'll talk about that in a second. Last fall, he moved to L.A. to appear opposite Queen M.J. Rodriguez in Little Shop of Horrors, as well as alongside Miss America Ferreira in Superstore. His voice can be heard on cast albums for Godspell, two recordings of Be More Chill, The Jonathan Larson Project, and more. He is a role model, a queer icon, and a friend. Please welcome to drama, George Salazar! Oh my god, that was like a, 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 what do you call it, the speeches you give at funerals. <laughs> oh, a eulogy. A eulogy. <laughs> um, that was so nice. Um, oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on, boys. I'm so happy. George, we've wanted you forever. And I, I, know, we, I know, I'm so glad we can, we're finally get doing mm-hmm. it. You're just so busy. <laughs> well... Uh, maybe <laughs> as your as your bio said you're always doing something okay wait i was listening to this bio and you were on were you on is this sarah jessica parker's divorce yeah i mean it was that was my first tv job and it was very um it was very quick uh it was a really interesting experience because there was an actor on set who was kind of a monster Oh. And was like really mean and like not just not a warm presence. It wasn't Sarah. She was very Oof. sweet. Um, but I played. Uh, I was cast as like a, a referee for a a like basketball game. And uh, the first thing that this person said to me was, "So you're a real ref?" And I was like, "No, I'm an actor." Um, <laughs> And he goes, have you ever refed a basketball game before? And I was like, no, I'm an actor. And he just went, and walked away. Oh, jeez. And then uh, decided that he was going to change the lines. And and so my my lines changed. uh, And the role shrunk into basically like it it ended up being just like a, a glorified extra. Oh, my God. There's some tea for you. That's tea. We're, we're starting out piping hot right here. Yeah, girl, right out the gates. <laughs> Speaking of piping hot, I am in Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. And I yesterday spent four hours in the pool floating and singing songs. And then I realized four hours had passed and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was a lobster. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, I'm really, really proud to be the first lobster to appear um, on the podcast. Thank- I know this is big. Yeah, thank you so much for having <laughs> me and my lobster self. I can att- I'm in a hoodie right now <laughs> yeah. because my skin is like this. He's pointing at a, at a blaringly deep red painting in the background. And he... Oh, it's of like a child or something. <laughs> yeah, there's like a couple of these in this. I'm in an Airbnb in Palm Springs. So there's like a bunch of... It's, it's, a, it's a gay-owned uh, home. And, you know, in Airbnbs, they have closets uh, that are locked mm-hmm. that, like, the homeowners ha- only have access to. Yeah. Um, the closet here, there's a little, like, uh, label on the on the above the doorknob that just says uh, homo owners. Oh. <laughs> and then in the kitchen, uh, they have dual drawers. So, like, you open a drawer and then there's, like, room for stuff and then there's another drawer mm-hmm. that kind of stacks over it and um those are labeled with tops and bottoms i'm obsessed <laughs> can i move in yeah i, w- I want to meet these people <laughs> i want I, ne- I need to be friends with these people mostly so that i could just come stay at their yeah, house right. is this ross matthews palm springs home <laughs> i mean might as well be 
I'm sure. Have you have you seen Ross walking the streets wearing a caftan? Girl, there's a pandemic happening. (laughs) I'm here, but I'm not leaving. You know, respect, respect. At least there you have a pool. That's nice. That's yeah. I mean, I've been. You know, my apartment in West Hollywood is like very nice and very comfortable and spacious. Um, but I don't have a pool. Yeah, and I got to tell you. The four hours I spent baking in the sun yesterday, <laughs> worth it. Worth it also because I got so pale during quarantine. Oh my oh, god, yeah. right? And now I'm like a really beautiful shade of like um, car- like cartoon characters who get angry and their faces turn red. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 the shade that I was going for. <laughs> when George revealed his sunburn to us, we both winced in pain. It was, <laughs> it was sad. Wait, George, all sunburn aside, we do have to ask you an important question. Give it to me. Are you well? I'm well, all things considered. Um, you know, uh, I come from Florida. That's my home state. My parents are still there. Um, my dad is two years away from retirement and is working for has worked for Universal Studios for like the past 25 years. And they're open. I don't understand. I don't understand. But they're open. And so every day is a little bit of a, of a stressful situation of me just being like, I wish... I wish they closed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a really powerful thing to, you know, be sitting in the middle of a pandemic and to watch, you know, um, protests and march happening in all 50 states. Um, you know, uh, this is such a, uh, it's such an, a pivotal moment in our country and in our world even because there were Black Lives Matter marches and protests across the globe. Um and so, um, so I do feel hopeful, COVID aside, that the other virus in our country is, is you know, we're, gonna, we're, we're all going to work to dismantle this thing um, and give everyone a fair shot. You said that beautifully. Thanks. Um, wait, I was just thinking, do they have, at Universal, do they have any sort of safety precautions for their employees? Yeah. So, um, fortunately my dad works like in the back, so he doesn't come into contact with cr- truly insane people who decide like, eh, let's go to the theme park today. Um, so he's backstage and, and, and it's fine, but, uh, out there they have hand washing station, like hand sanitizer stations throughout all the parks. There uh, are supposed to be social distance markers throughout the queues. Um, the problem is, and this is what my dad told me is that at night, the night crews uh, hose down all of the lines um, and pressure wash, and the pressure washing uh, starts to peel and lift the the stickers off the ground, and then so they'll come off, and no one will replace them. What a mess! And then apparently, I read I read online that there was like um, there was a, a someone who went and kept an eye on a hand sanitizing station that was without hand sanitizer for three hours with no one refilling. Oh my God. So Florida is really, I mean, they've always been a, (laughs) a very dumb state. Um, (laughs) And now they're just like really taking the crown. Uh, So are you from Orlando specifically? Mm -hmm. Well, I was born in Staten Island. Okay. Uh, but then I was raised in Orlando. Wow. Okay. We love Orlando, but I don't have any plans going back there until no, me neither. for years. Even. I really want to go home and visit my parents and help them with mm-hmm. like, you know, groceries, all that stuff. But I mean, the idea of flying and then even quarantining that. for two weeks and then, you know, it's just, it doesn't really make sense at the moment. So I'm in Palm Springs yes. instead. Yes. Well, that's that's nice, and you deserve some time in Palm Springs after everything that's been going on. And I think we all do. You've been working so hard, Tyra Banks style. <laughs> do you remember when Tyra was on Top Model and she like fake acted out that she was like really tired and she fainted, and, and they're all like, "Oh my god, Tyra, Tyra!" They're like freaking out, and then she like stands up and she's like, <gasps> "I was acting," and it's like the most shocking thing in the entire world. That's you've been working hard, but not fake acting. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've, I've, that's very nice, but I also have been doing a lot of sitting around on my ass. <laughs> but you have, um, you have your, I think it's on hiatus right now, right? But you have your Sunday show. Sunday's on Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we that show was created um, as a distraction at the beginning of quarantine, um, and then George Floyd's murder and the Black Lives Matter movement just made it feel like not the right program to you know be investing my time and energy into so she's on hold but we're reformatting her and um and 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 i mean we're fully like changing changing the show into this um you know discussion with um people of marginalized communities uh friends of mine uh and we're all gonna share our experiences of you know being whatever we are in america um wow. and then i think we're we'll still hold on to a delayed duet situation mm-hmm. um with the idea that like you know across and through all of these barriers um me and this guest will will sing the same song uh, I think it'll be really, really fun. But that's great. Yeah, we're, we're currently trying to figure all of that out logistically too, because my producer works is starting work on uh, Drew Barrymore's talk show that's coming out. Oh my god! So I lose, I lose a, a substantial amount of of his energy. In Wait, the I had no idea that Drew was coming out with the talk show. Yeah, I, I am... forget what I forget what network, but I think it's going to be great. I love her. I think I love it'll her. be so good. Yeah, she's. I, I think it'll be. You know, in a way that, in the way that, like, I love Kelly Clarkson's show because mm-hmm. she is so accessible and warm and friendly. And I mean, you really feel like you've known her. I mean, we have known her for years, yeah. but like, you, you really know, you really feel like you are personally connected to Kelly Clarkson watching her talk show. I think it's so. Uh, I love when they give shows to people with big hearts. Mm-hmm. And I think that Drew's show is going to be, uh, you know, very similar. Oh, I can't wait. Charlie's Angels 2 Full Throttle is one of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time. It would be. <laughs> it, yeah, okay. You know. Well, her name is Dylan. I was, like, so shook that a, a girl had the name of Dylan. Like, that was, like, very Oh, my God. It me. broke down gender, you know, mm-hmm. expectations that were set even, you know, 20 years ago with the McGee Charlie's yeah. Angels. Oh, Yeah. Drew's deliveries of lines in that movie, genius. And she was also one of the producers. Yeah, Drew's delivery of really everything. Going mm-hmm. back to E.T. Going back to E.T. <laughs> Jesus has a, like, well, what, would, what must it feel like to have an entire life of just nailing line deliveries for your entire existence? I don't know. Oh, my I God, I know. Well, her, like, great-great-grandfather, John Barrymore, is who that Barrymore Theater is named for on Broadway. Too. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay, wait, because it... Kristen Wiig <laughs> used to do an amazing Drew Barrymore on SNL. And I won't even try to do it because I can't do it justice, but it is phenomenal. Well, because there was a bit where she was she was talking out of the side of her mouth and she's like, and my great-great-great-grandfather, John Barrymore, used to write it down on a typewriter. <laughs> it's like, the it's so funny. Is that the Sofia Vergara One Direction episode from like 2012? It is. It is. Yeah, it is. We loved, <laughs> oh my God, George, we loved One Direction. Do you have a connection to that group at all? Uh, I don't, I don't, other than the fact that I think that they're all ridiculously hot. Yes. And the, and, and their music, their music, uh, consists of mostly bangers. Their solo, all their solo stuff I love. Yes. Harry is a true superstar. And possibly bi. I know that circles the drain every, every once in a while. I didn't know that. Um, gotta go. (laughs) Gonna go find Harry Styles. I know. Well, he might be out there. You I wish never I know. was quarantined with him. I'll wear a mask. Good, good, yes. good, good. Mask, 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 mask. mask for mask. Is that what dating is gonna be like? Like outdoor mask? I don't know. I was thinking about that. Um, I was thinking about that because quarantine is, I mean, this is horrible. This is like really bad. Terrible. Like the not. Like the novelty of like um, the novel, the novelty of it has just completely worn out. You know, like and by novelty, I mean like. Uh, I remember in the beginning, it was like, well, the silver lining to all of this is that like I'm connecting with all my all my friends more frequently than I had been before. One hundred percent. That's not cutting it anymore. No. I need like a person. <laughs> literally, literally, I know. Because I'm in Palm Springs alone. <laughs> 
which is what which is what connor thought i literally thought you were like on a solo vacation like oh my god wild and then you said and i quote i felt sad for you <laughs> facts you're a you're a lob a lobster in palm springs if anyone i'm a lonely you. lobster that's a great that's a great song title that's gonna be the title of this episode probably lonely lobster. okay the lonely lobster <laughs> we'll see we'll see um, okay, so I do have a couple of questions just about things that you've done throughout your career and everything, but I do want to know what it was like working with MJ Rodriguez on Little Shop of Horrors. Ugh. Literally, dream after dream after dream after dream. MJ is a really special, touched by God person in my life. Like, uh, there was there was a a concern of mine going in that um because MJ um you know I I remember seeing MJ in the Rent revival off Broadway um there was a concern that she was going to be like difficult to work with because she's so successful in television and on day one she wrapped her arms around me and gave me the biggest hug and we began this like friendship you know it was obviously it was important for us to like build as much chemistry as possible uh having never met uh and it was very easy i mean it was so easy i the this was the first time professionally where I played a character that was like into, into someone like a romantic element in a character. That's so true. That's so yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is nuts because, um, I can do it. <laughs> you um, are a romantic lead, my friend. But I, I, yeah, no, I, um, I, it was so easy to fall in love with her every night. Oh, she made God. it so easy. Uh, she made it so easy. And of course, there was the viral video of you guys doing Suddenly Seymour. I mean, vocals on vocals. Uh, yeah, I mean, there. Uh, be more chill. Wonderful experience. It took mm. up like it's it was such a uh, such a huge part of my life for so many years. But I have to say that spending those what four months at the Pasadena Playhouse working on Little Shop was like both a uh like a career highlight but also just like uh like an art highlight for me mm. it was like um you know if i if i ever got to like uh stand in a room of original picassos that fe- that feeling of satisfaction is what i got every night uh doing that show oh, the whole cast was amazing i mean there there wasn't a bad apple in the group everyone was a good person and b like showed up and did their job and did it beautifully. Wasn't Amber Riley in that as well? She was. Oh my god! I wanted your production to come to New York. I know that Me was the one we deserved. Is this, <laughs> that was the one we deserved. Is this drama. Like, I didn't see. I sadly didn't see the Jonathan Groff um, production, and then it, it became Gideon Glick, and then it was going to be Jeremy Jordan. I, in a world where that one hadn't happened, I wonder if yours could have had legs to move to the city. Because maybe I mean I I hope but you know there's there's there were two white people in our production wow. yeah and the and white people were certainly the minority on stage so I don't know I don't know that the that the theater owners would have been like yeah bring that over I know that's um, a good point a sad yeah, point yeah a sad point but true sad point yeah sad but true uh you know i i know that um i know that we we haven't given up hope on on that on that production um it would be it would be a dream to at the very least get to do a cast album oh yes. um but yeah i mean it was i miss it i miss it so much yeah well i mean that was Gosh, was it almost a year ago? Mm-hmm. Well, Be More Chill was happening yeah. a year ago right now, and then you went to L.A. right afterwards. <laughs> Which we call L. Which we, yeah. <laughs> I, went out to, I went out to L. Mm-hmm. Um, a week after we closed Be More Chill is when I, so that week after Be More Chill closed, um, 
the Monday after closing, I treated myself to a little shopping spree, uh, retail therapy. And then uh, I started packing up all of my belongings and putting them in storage units uh, and getting like the mover situation uh, organized. And then I came and then I came. This, it was a very quick turnaround. Well, I remember when this is going back a couple years ago, when you were working on the Jonathan Larson project, we filmed something in front of Jonathan's apartment and you had yeah. just come from viewing an apartment where you were just going to be moving into it. So you lived yeah. there only like, what, a year? And then you a were year. gone and I'm like, wow. Not even, a, not even a full year actually. Cause we moved into that apartment in September. I was only there for like 10, 11 months. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy how 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 quickly life can just turn around, you know? Yeah. And then of course, like being, you know, being in LA during the, the pandemic, I felt really fortunate to be living there instead of New York, only mm. because, you know, apartments are notoriously teen, teensy tiny, um, unless you're a billionaire. And in LA for you know for what you pay in New York you get truly like double the space. I have a my bedroom in West Hollywood uh is half bedroom half like studio. Um and so I have like a whole like lighting setup to film self tapes and all that stuff. I could uh, never have done that in my apartment in New York. You would have been like on top of your tub or something like oh, that. Oh god, yeah, no. Or roommates, multiple mm-hmm. roommates. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, you also then got the opportunity to do Superstore. Yeah. With an um, an icon, America Ferreira. Truly. Oh, my God. We got to stand forever. She is so talented. Like, when she, she threw the brick through the window in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. <laughs> and won an Emmy for <laughs> Ugly Betty. Mm-hmm. She's 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 amazing, and I'm 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 here uh, vacationing with Nico Santos, who uh, I play um, I play America's character's brother, who uh, falls for Nico's character Mateo, um, and so I'm here with Nico and um, and his boyfriend. That 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 show has been like such a a joy to work on. The culture on set is really feels like theater. Um, How fun. Yeah, yeah. There aren't any like monsters. Everyone is like, everyone genuinely enjoys each other and they have fun at work. Um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been really What cool. a joy. Um, yeah. And I feel like I read that America Ferrera was leaving the show at the, at the end of this season, but it was cut short because of COVID and that she agreed she's going to come back and wrap up her storyline with the next season, whenever that is able to pick up filming again. Um, yes. Uh, I've been talking with Nico about it, and it looks like they're going to try to start in September. Cool. Um, you know, I think America, I mean, my God, she executive produces on Superstore. She stars in it. She started it for five years. She was pregnant last season uh, oh. with her second child. And I I mean, I, we sh- I shot my first my first episode with her back in October. Um, had no idea. And then we uh, shot my second episode in December and had no idea uh, until like the last day when she was just wow. like, yeah, I'm pregnant. Um, it's pretty now, wild. Now, George, I am not a superstore watcher, but I feel like that'll probably be one of my upcoming binges as, as this co- continues. But I didn't realize that you played a gay character. Yeah. Or a queer character. Yeah, yeah. So uh, America's character, Amy, um, you know, throughout the show, they, she had mentioned a gay brother. Okay. And um, the story of my getting cast is really cr- crazy. I, um, I woke up. One morning, uh, to a text from Annalie Ashford, we love a, te- a text from Nico Santos, and a text <laughs> from Celise Henderson from, from who I did Godspell with, and all three of them basically were like wrote the same like really urgent long thing, and it was like your agents are telling um, 
casting directors at a superstore that you're offer only and um they really they they need you to come in and do a chemistry read uh just so that the like the studio can approve of the casting um you know please 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 come in they really really want you and uh i, I this was news to me so i like called my called my manager i was like what's going on he was like yeah you know we were just trying to like if they they're really interested in you um and they said they need they need a chemistry read and we were just like um you know well if you really want george just give him the part <laughs> i was like you guys let me go in for a chemistry yes. read it's okay i'm not that busy right now <laughs> i was i was doing little shop at the time but okay, um okay. but i went in for my chemistry read um nico i hadn't i had met nico years ago uh the last time i was in la i was doing the cbs diversity showcase and he had done it two years or the year before i i did it and he was starting superstore the first season um in this time period and so i met him from that he's filipino and i'm half filipino so like instantly there was like you know a connection um and uh and you know here we are it it i went in for that chemistry read nico met me nico got there first um he he was like girl you you thirsty and i was like yes i am actually <laughs> and he was like i'm gonna show you something and he took me back uh in the writer's room and there's a there's a separate room that is um called the LaCroix room. <laughs> so Superstore is uh is is sponsored by LaCroix. They the their LaCroix displays are, you know, really prominently okay, uh, okay. displayed on the show. And there's no joke, a room that's like the size of a living room filled with boxes and boxes and boxes <laughs> of LaCroix. Give me that Pamplemousse LaCroix. Oh my god, it was amazing. And then I was like, does anybody like the coconut? And he was like, no, everyone hates it. And I was like, I'm going to take a like, an entire case of this. He <laughs> was like, go, take whatever you Coconut's want. Coconut's the... Uh, and then we went in... Coconut's it's the what? controversial. The controversial LaCroix. It is controversial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're going to say you went in? I understand, I understand the argument of the coconut LaCroix tastes like sunscreen. But I'm from Florida, and I, something about that smell is like comforting. Uh. So anyway, we go in, uh, the producers are in the room. It's like a very cramped room. America comes in, um, you know, I'm hugging everyone. Like I, like we've, like we've been friends for decades. That's very um, you. And, uh, and, and so we, we do, we read through it. I I have a, compl- I have such a blast. And Nico tells me that after I left, they were like, oh yeah, he's the only one that we've seen. Um, Nico told me that the, that the casting was originally looking for like really buff, hot Latinos. Oh, okay. Um, and when they were coming in, there was like no chemistry. Um, cause there wasn't like a silliness or a good, they were just like really hot. And Nico was like, you guys, like we need someone who, uh, we need someone who like Mateo would like Kiki with, you know? And maybe Kai Kai. And so I... And maybe Kai Kai and I and we and then a couple hours later they made the call and 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 now I'm part of the Superstore family in a in a small way but in but still it's I mean I love it. Well, I mean I've seen the images and you certainly look hot on the show. You've got like the hair all slicked back. Like it's it's great. I mean he definitely would go for you. Um, James, the hair guy at Superstore, is maybe my favorite human being I've ever met. And uh, before qu- quarantine, would would cut my hair on Sunday mornings, at, on the lot, uh, when when everyone else was off. He would like go back to work, and then he would give me like a three hour haircut for free. Oh my god! Oh my god! Literally the nicest person. Uh, shout out to him. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm rambling. You guys, the stories sorry. I'm sure James oh could tell about working in the hair room on TV shows, but. Oh yeah! Oh my God! Oh yeah! Um, wait, really quick, because you mentioned Godspell. That was the first time I think I ever saw. Ye- wait, actually, I'm telling. Oh no! Lot. No, yeah, we saw we saw him in Spring Awakening in Akron, Ohio. You guys did we see me you, in yes. Spring Awakening <laughs> in Akron, Ohio. Th- we we went to the stage door. We did. We have a photo. I think I've sent it to you before. Oh my God! George. Well, we'll have maybe. to put it on our. Maybe you have. You have. You have. You have. Yeah. But but, but that should <laughs> that should be the picture <laughs> for. For the social media posts about this episode, I'll, I'll, it'll be like a, a carousel. We can like swipe for a surprise, and that can be there, <laughs> literally. But are you in oh, that? And God. then I remember, okay, so because when we saw Godspell, we were like, oh my God, we definitely saw him on tour 
in Spring Awakening. And I mean, we loved that production of Godspell. We were seniors in high oh school and we had like finagled our mom into taking us on a trip to the city for a weekend and we were gagged. I was, I just remember like Lindsay it's- Mendez on trampolines and just, I was like, I was, we were living. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, God, it, God spell <laughs> it, uh, it was, it was, it was truly like a, like a, a legendary iconic cast too, you know, like, oh my God. um, another situation where like everyone just got, I mean, I really feel like I was spoiled by that experience, uh, in that the cast was again, people with good hearts who show up and kill it. Um, and, uh, I mean, you know, Uzo Aduba, come on, oh get out God. of here. Watching her in rehearsals, I was like, cool, so she's going to be a star in, like, mm-hmm. tomorrow. And then it, it did. It happened. And then Anna, Anna Maria Perez de Tagle. Yes. Is that how you say it? Is that how you say it? De Tagle. De, de Tagle from uh, Camp Rock was in there. Yes. And, of course, I mean, my my uh, my affliction of being in love with men named Hunter began back then because Hunter Parrish was, like, everything to me he's a cutie in that show beautiful uh person inside and out Mm -hmm. i'm happy to report that i love that and um and then of course i date a hunter so you know it all comes full circle in that way but his his gorgeous rendition of beautiful city is something that i listen to to this day i mean i believe that revival cast album is the definitive godspell recording um I would agree. It's um, all the songs are bangers. The God, the orchestrations by Michael Holland were vibrant and fun and mm-hmm. and kind of a la Glee in a way. Yeah, because um, you know that was a big thing back then. Right, back way back then. Way yeah. way back. Ten years ago, eleven, nine years ago. Yeah, ten nine years ago. Yeah. yeah. Nick Nick Blameyer was in there, and uh, I don't know who. I don't know who that <laughs> is. No, no, the only one who didn't make it. <laughs> oh my god, too many good people. I feel like there's so many things I want to ask you about. Really, before I forget, because we always like push this to the end of the of the chat. We like to ask our guests about a ring. Oh, Do you like yes. this jarring transition here about about <laughs> about their ring of keys moment as it relates to a life in the arts? Do you feel like you yeah. you have one of those? Yes. Um. Yeah. So in college, over you know during the summers, um, uh, a lot of college students will book these like you know summer stock gigs. Um, I was in this. I went to the University of Florida, and so I was never. I never had summer work because um, they didn't think that that I would fit in to a production of Carousel or Hello Dolly uh, at some like old barn that's uh, converted into a theater. And so instead of just like working a summer job in retail or something, I took a huge blow to my finances and did these two internships in New York City uh, in my last years of college. And they were better than any, uh, any kind of training program I could have gone to, right? To like spend two summers as a New Yorker. I got to know the subway lines. I got to know how the business works. I got to see really stellar, incredible performances on stage. Um, I, I worked for Bono Brian Brown. So I got, I got to know how, um, a Broadway press office functions. Um, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was great. So one of the shows that I saw is I think the second Broadway show that I ever saw was Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and um, the great uh, Norbert Leo Butts, who won a Tony Award for that performance. Um, I had, you know, leading up to in the years leading up to those internships, I was like obsessed with the last five years of course just obsessed and obsessed with his voice and what it can do and so i was so excited to get to see him live and this was before he before he won the tony um we 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 get there i'm i'm like i'm so excited the show starts and my jaw just like drops to the ground because his performance was this like high energy explosive i mean it really helped to 
um, it really helped me figure out what kind of a performer I wanted to be. Mm. So that's a whole ring of key thing in and of itself is like this man just like never stopped giving 1000%. And I was super, super inspired by that. Um, but then after the show, um, I run over to the stage door. I bought my Dirty Rotten Scoundrels window card. I have like nine Sharpies. Uh, I'm like 260 pounds in like a really skin tight express striped button up shirt and like a tie and jeans and flip flops. Like that was my, well, you know, express those, those is were always the 2000s. <laughs> oh, slim fit. Even when you, even when you shouldn't be wearing a slim fit shirt, honey, we call it slim thick. We call it slim thick. <laughs> yeah. as a slim thick shirt. Um, and so, so I get there. I'm so excited. And, and, uh, and he comes out. He's like one of the first people out, which totally tracks. Like straight guys in theater, they're just like, <laughs> they're just like, boom, I'm done. All right, mm-hmm. let's go. Um, there's no like quaffing of the hair. They're still sweating from the show, from the mm-hmm. from the from the, from the, the curtain call. And so he's the first one out, and he was the last one to go home. And he took time with each person. It wasn't just like a sign, 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 sign. He took time with each person, especially with young people, uh, especially with myself. Like he he took time and talked to me. And I left that night. I was like walking back to the apartment I was staying at. And I was just thinking, wow, like that guy didn't have to do any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was so he must be so tired doing that eight times a week, but he still made time for these people. And I made a pact, a promise uh, to myself that if I ever got to be in that position, that I would do, be the same type of person. And I would give uh, time to people and, um, and in hopes that like my performance may inspire some other Brown kid uh, in the way that Norbert uh, inspired me. And, uh, and so that, yeah, that was my ring of key moment. I think that that really defined that moment defined the type of uh, artist uh, that I wanted to become. That's amazing. And I can attest that is who you are. Because Thank you. When, when Connor and I saw Be More Chill, we must have waited 45 minutes. Or so. I'm so sorry. Oh my God, stop, stop. And it was just like, you know, you were, you took your time with everybody. And, and that meant the world to the fans who finally got to see their favorite musical that they've been listening to for so long. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've always been like, I've always loved the stage door experience. I've always loved having conversations with people. And um, uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's always been such a joy for me. Um, but the the be more chill thing was a whole nother beast in and of itself because these people changed my life. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, it, there wasn't like a, you know, the Schubert's or the Nederlanders didn't like listen to be more chill and go, wait a minute, this is great. Let's bring Mm -hmm. this to Broadway. It was like the voices of basically like a petition uh, to bring this show back and it worked. And, uh, you know, I owe I owe so much to those fans um, for for helping me get that show to Broadway. And I mean, you I know you might not give yourself this credit, but I think you're a huge part of what they latched on to. I mean, because your interactions with fans online and your unbelievable talent and specifically in the song Michael in the Bathroom that everyone- it was for me. I feel like that was how I first heard about Be More Chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seemed to be the 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 gateway drug uh, mm-hmm. into the show, and and um, I mean, God, what I mean, what a really incredible journey that that show had, and and will continue to have, yeah. uh, and to to have gotten to be a part of that, you know, it, it 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 was it was wild. It was I felt like I was in the eye of the storm, but it was the best thing ever. You know, it's now now like my God. It started getting popular in 2017, in the summer of 2017. Mm. And over that time, I mean, you know, I have this incredible group of supporters um, across the across the country and, and in some cases across the world who are, you know, maybe some of the, the smartest, wittiest, funniest, most inspiring, nicest, caring, compassionate, em- empathetic, like uh, uh, people that I have ever 
come across. Um, a, a friend of a friend was FaceTiming with that friend, and I, I don't know what's what's what like you know what what sparked this this comment, but she was like, "Is George there? George, your fans are so nice," <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, no, truly, they are the best people. They really are the best people. Um, they're." They inspire the shit out of me because they are, um, you know, they're going to be the theater makers after us and mm -hmm. the policy makers after us. And I just feel like we're all in such good hands. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, they're the best. I, I'm, I'm very grateful for Be More Chill. I'm very grateful for Joy Connus. I'm very grateful to like a bunch of strangers on the internet that I have either met or, ne or have never met. I'm just thinking about mm -hmm. how extraordinary that performance was and how it's been about a year since Be More Chill closed on Broadway. When you look back on it, is there any like one memory you think of? Like perhaps just the Broadway run that like, you know, that comes to mind right away that you're like, oh, Be More Chill. Yeah, you know, um, I had some vocal issues that came up during second preview. Uh, I hemorrhaged a vocal cord, and that had never happened before. Like, even with The Lightning Thief, uh, I was playing dual characters, and, mm -hmm. and one of the characters, Mr. D, the camp, the camp counselor, uh, you know, the voice was like, oh, it was like a, it was, it was very gravelly and, and rough. And even then, like, I, I had no problems, but, you know, the doing a show on Broadway versus doing that same show off Broadway, the one that we did at the signature, completely different beasts, right? Um, you know, I was doing like a lot of press off Broadway, but once we moved to Broadway, you know, obviously there's like Tony campaigns and this and blah 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 and all the all the other extra shit. Um and it just was I mean it's a it's a lot. It's really a lot. Um you know, having going from like interview to interview to interview in one day and then going and doing two shows. It, it's, it, it really like takes a toll on you. And, you know, that night something happened. Uh, I, we still don't really know what caused it, but I, um, I, my voice wasn't working like mm -hmm. at all. Uh, and I discovered that maybe about 20 minutes into act one. And then oh was having gosh. an anxiety attack throughout the whole show because I knew that I was going to get to Michael in the bathroom and I was going to have trouble. And, um, and so we get to it and sure enough, like, I mean, it was, it was up singing has never been painful. This was painful. I couldn't make the sounds. Um, and, uh, and was actually having an anxiety attack on stage. So people, I think in the audience thought that like I was <laughs> getting super emotional. Yeah. Um, I was, but it was because I was losing my voice. So, so, you know, that, that was this like dark cloud that kind of, you know, followed me everywhere I went, uh, over the next couple of months. Um, but then the thing that I'm, you know, the thing that I'm really grateful for is that that closing performance was was there was so much love um, at the Lyceum that that night, um, you know, standing ovations after every number, um, entrance applause for all the cast. I mean, it felt like the the like farewell. <laughs> yes, yes. Like a, a shares farewell performance, you know. <laughs> right. The 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 eighth one. The eighth one. It felt like. It felt, it felt there was just so much love in that room and it was so overwhelming. And, um, and so that, that I think is the, the one memory that I, I'm so glad that that's how that turned out because it completely, uh, helps me to forget how, how hard of a time I was having for a period of about a month. Hmm. Well, yeah, I remember we saw you in, I think it was one of the last previews and you were on full vocal rest afterwards and we were like, we know you can't verbally say yes, so we're going to ask you right now. Will you do our podcast? <laughs> and you were like, nah. and a year later, here we are. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it was, uh, it was. I, I was supposed to have surgery. The, we, oh. were, we were like planning surgery. I was going to plan. I was about to book a flight to like the Caribbean mm. um, for the recovery period okay. because. Um, a good friend, Telly, Telly had vocal issues mm -hmm. in the past and uh, had to get surgery and okay. then um, and then f and then flew out to the Bahamas and did his like, you know, three weeks yeah, of that vocal rest amazing. on the beach. And I mean, that's the best way to do it. Right.
Yeah, but somehow I I mean truly literally a miracle happened and I um and the 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 hemorrhage healed itself. Wow. And I didn't need surgery. I mean it was literally I, I still to this day I try to figure out like okay, what was the lesson to learn from that? You know? Because it really feels like the universe was trying to get me to I, I, I don't know I don't know what mm. I think the universe is probably telling me to slow the fuck down mm. <laughs> you know Maybe. and then once eventually once I was once I once I got to slow down and once I took that then it was like okay you can you may resume I think I wow. think it was also probably a lesson in just how resilient you are and it you proved to yourself that you're able to push through something so scary and stressful during what should have been one of the most I think exciting career moments perhaps but you got through it and you healed and you you made it work. And I think that's really amazing. Well, I think it's it's mostly a testament to my doctors and my <laughs> voice teacher, Amanda Flynn, and like my best friends who would come and keep me company during the shows uh, while I was like just at home upset and depressed mm. and writing on a writing on a whiteboard i found a bunch of old um uh notes on my iphone from when <laughs> i was on vocal rest and was trying to communicate to friends who were over and reading through some of it it's like so sad Aww. <laughs> it's so sad there were like a couple of of like entries where i was just like i just want to sing again <laughs> mm. that's cute but so sad it hurt, like it hurts to be home and not be there Mm-hmm. Um, especially after how hard we all worked to, to to get that show back. And I feel like we as fans were all along for every step of the ride. Like you all posted so much on social media and really took us along with you on the journey, which was such a nice treat. And so I'm sure it was hard for you to see your castmates and everyone posting about fun things that happened and then. Yeah, that down. was tough. That was really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you know, Troy Iwata, uh, my dear friend, was the standby for um, for Michael, and he—I mean, he did previews. Right. He did the previews, um, and was so lovely and so perfect. And there was one night where, um, I, what I was doing was I was going to the theater during rehearsals, during previews, and sitting in the house so that I was you know, up to date with any changes that were happening so that, you know, I don't like heal and then jump in and be like, wait, what, <laughs> what is <Sure>. this scene? <laughs> um, and Troy, and, and there was one day where I, you know, I, I watched Troy do a bunch of the rehearsal stuff and I asked the stage manager, I was like, Hey, can I stay and, and watch? Uh, and I forget where, Oh, they put me, they put me up in like the box, like behind the box and the stairwell behind the box. And I just like watched the show from a curtain and it was beautiful. Uh, Uh, It was like really cool. You never get to do that. You know, mm -hmm. you really never get to see the show that you're working on. Unless of course you swing out. But at that point we were still in previews. So hiding from, hiding from, from fans was very successful. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like, wait, why is George here and not on stage? Um, but Troy was so wonderful and it, the, the role was in such good hands. And so I, I'm also so grateful to Troy because I got to, I got to, you know, he took the, he took the load and I, whoops, uh, Girl. <laughs> he, yeah. um, he took on that responsibility <laughs> and, um, and he, and he did it with such grace and such perfection. And I, I fell in love with his Michael Mal. And um and yeah, he he was he allowed me to to relieve myself of, of stress and pressure wow. so that I could focus on on getting better. Mm-hmm. It was That's amazing. Incredible. Amazing. I him. did I did want to ask as well about you mentioned that you're half Filipino and mm-hmm. the, I feel as though that's one of the areas of Broadway and theater performers that is very underrepresented. Do you Mm. feel as though like you had any role models that you could look up to when you were kind of coming up? I mean, obviously Norbert Leobutz is incredible, but to see sort of more representation. I did not see myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I saw Jose Lana, who Mm -hmm. uh, has become a a friend and co-worker uh, through Here Lies Love. Um, I saw him in in Putnam County Spelling Bee, and that that experience was incredibly inspiring. But um, but but you know, I'm 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 half Filipino, and I you know I I kind of early on in life 
realize that my mix is very unique and that Asians and Latinos don't typically uh, <laughs> get together and start a family. Um, and now like my, my, my half sister, she's my sister, but you know, we have yeah. different fathers. She's full Filipino. Her husband is Dominican. Uh, and so, you know, her kids look like I did. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, you know, it brings me joy to know that like, you know, when I'm on Superstore or, or the Playbill Pride live stream mm -hmm. or, you know, um, whatever it is when they watch, um, they, they're seeing their uncle, but also somebody who looks like them. And, uh, that has become, you know, the number one priority on my, on my, on my mission statement as an artist is that I want to be, I want to continue to be the person that I didn't have coming up. Um, you know, when you don't, when you, John Leguizamo put it best. He said, when you don't see yourself represented in media, you feel fucking invisible. Mm. And so growing up like that and then coming to New York in a in an industry that is not dominated by people who look like me, um, it became very clear to me very fast that I was going to have to. Um, and this is not this is not to say that any one type of person works harder than the other, but I I had to I realized that I had to go far above and beyond um, to a be noticed, b be accepted, c be hired. Um, you know, it 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 it's, it's it, it was a lot of hard work, um, and it still is. Uh, and so I, yeah, I my hope is that little brown kids and you know during little shop i got to meet a lot of people who looked like me young people who looked like me at the stage door in a way that i didn't get to see on broadway um because not every i mean I, growing up i couldn't afford a plane ticket my family couldn't afford a plane ticket to new york for every family member hotel accommodations broadway show tickets it just wasn't it, it just wasn't a part of the equation for us um but bringing that show, doing that show in LA brought such a, a, a beautifully diverse group of audience members. And it was, um, it was, I mean, it was fucking lovely. It was the best. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of where I stand is just like representation mm -hmm. really matters and a real, real representation, you mm -hmm. know, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be like, well, it's just George in a cast of, uh, of a show and he's you know he's he's the, he's the guy it should you know it should be kind of an equal not kind of it should be an equal landscape mm -hmm. for everyone absolutely and i think be more chill succeeded in that especially i remember seeing like when when understudies would go on there it would be like the most diverse cast on broadway at times on any given night you know like i think it's just amazing and you're talking about meeting these kids out in la like that's the stuff that makes me sob because i think about you know when i was a kid not having many gay role models that i looked up to and i'm a cis white person you know what i mean so it's even even more rare so i just think that when a little kid sees you on superstore or you're you know starring as michael mel on broadway in this show like it is everything they need to be like i can do that and that's just so beautiful yeah I mean, it really, it's, it's, it's such a simple concept, but you know, it, it, it has taken a lot of time and, and a movement for people to understand. And I'm not sure that everyone understands quite yet, but like truly just the act of seeing someone who looks like you on TV, in theater, um, it, it is powerful in a way that I think most people can't understand or grasp. Um, it just is. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm, I, I am, I'm, I'm really, I mean, I miss performing so much. Mm -hmm. I miss live theater. Um, and I, I can't wait to get back into it again, specifically for that transaction between actor and an audience at the stage door. Well, I am excited to see what is in store for you, which I'm sure there's some things cooking, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, <laughs> Connor, do you want to bring us into our final part of the pod? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So as we are wrapping up this fabulous conversation, um, we like to end on a, on a dose of drama, something kind of steamy or on the, the tips of our tongues for this cultural moment. It could be a piece of content you're consuming. It could be something on your mind. It could be true drama. It could be really whatever 
you're thinking of, and I have some drama that I, I've been waiting to, to say, but other things have just felt more important. But so one of my favorite authors published a book, a fiction book, and I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to give away like the, the specifics. I suppose if you're really looking into it, you could figure it out. But I was, I was looking so, I was so excited for this book to come out. So I'm, you know, casually just reading this work of fiction and a character popped up that I was like, oh, I, this sounds like somebody that I was kind of seeing earlier this year, pre-COVID, and I'm still kind of talking to. Like, this is weird. Like, some of these details are very specific. So I'm just, like, still reading the book, whatever, whatever. And then it becomes deliberately clear that this is that person in a a fictionalized version of this person that I had been seeing pre-COVID, you know, casually. And so I make it to the end of the book, and my heart's racing, and his name is in the acknowledgments. So, like, it's all there. He was is friends with this author and had this huge fictionalized role in this book and i just feel such a deeply complicated feelings about finding this you know almost lover in the pages of one of my favorite author's fiction books i just can't even wrap my mind around the strangeness of this time in my life but that's insane absolutely insane and i we still talk we talk and i was like did this did this person tell like oh so there was no there there had been no discussion about this not about the book. We've talked since and I didn't bring it up, but I, I don't, cause I don't want him to think, I don't know. So weird. Just very odd. Wow. Yeah, odd. We'll, talk, we'll talk off pod, but such a strange. That is, that is dramatic. That's drama. It's oh, hilarious to drama. me, but I can imagine how traumatized Connor is by this person who oh, I can't seem just... to shake like a ghost. <laughs> who knows? I actually went on a, this is, I'm saying so much. I don't think he listened to this podcast, but, um, he, we went on a date the night before Broadway shut down. And so that was like, what, March 11th? Uh-huh. It was like, it was a Wednesday. And I remember, this is like the scope of how seriously we all took COVID, like how quickly things changed. But literally the day before he was like, oh yeah, I'll see you there. Like I might be in a hazmat suit at a different table, but like I'll risk COVID-19 for this, for, you know, for this other date. And I was, and I remember like being like, haha, funny, like, <laughs> And then the next day, the whole world, the, to quote Hamilton, the world turned upside down. Mm-hmm. But anyway, drama. DM me for details. I'm like happy to share. <laughs> yeah. I need to know what this book is. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. We'll let George go last. I just want to share my dose of drama for today, which is that the British government has promised $2 billion. I think it's like 1.87 Euro- billion euros um, to save its cultural institutions. Um, and, you know, America needs to follow suit. This is this is a a disaster that we're undergoing, in particular in New York, but I mean everywhere. Movie theaters, theaters, like we need to do something, or you're not going to see the economy restore the way that it needs to, or the way that people think that it's going to by reopening everything soon. And um, we're in we're in turmoil, and we need to take the take the lead of Boris Johnson. Something I never thought I'd say. <laughs> Truly, uh, mm-hmm. but actually, I mean, I yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's amazing. I wish that our government did things like that mm-hmm. um, instead of just cutting funding right. to arts programs and arts education. And yeah, um, well, it looks like I'm moving. <laughs> We're going. Yeah, um, that's wild. Yeah, that. Pfft. Yeah. If only. I know. I know. Ha- hash, truly hashtag save the arts. Save the arts. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm um, I'm in talks with Danny Feldman, the artistic director at the Pasadena Playhouse, uh, about doing an experimental cabaret act, li- like live at the Playhouse um, with no audience. It'll okay. be streamed. The, the idea... Uh, is the band would be on stage and it would there'd be no woodwinds so it would just be you know guitar drums bass piano and then I would sing from the audience from an oh. empty auditorium from an empty theater um, and so we, we're in the beginning stages of trying to figure out what that show is and um, but I'm worried for institutions like the Pasadena Playhouse you know like the Broadway is a multi billion dollar monster machine yes. um and these smaller theaters um that that bring work like the 
our revive our our production of Little Shop. Mm-hmm. Um, they're suffering. They're suffering. They're suffering. You know, and so um, you know, if anyone uh, is listening to this and has uh, a couple of bucks to spare, I would um, encourage you to find a regional theater that you uh, love and send them a donation. I mean, truly, like anything, uh, anything will, will help because uh, they're 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 really hurting these days, and our government doesn't. They don't care. care. That's a yeah. great recommendation, George. I love that. George, you're the hero, the hero of our times the right lo- now. <laughs> no. no, I'm the lobster of the times right now. All right, all right, that's fair. Well, this has been so much fun. I can't believe how long we've been talking. Um, George, you mean so much to so many people, but you really mean a lot to Connor and I, and we're so thankful that you took the time today to share just some stories. I uh, love and adore and appreciate both of you. Uh, thank you for having me on. And I'm sorry it took so long to make this happen. It was worth the wait. <laughs> if you're not following George already, which I'm sure you are, it's at George Salazar on Twitter and Instagram, right? It's just your first yeah. and last name. All right. And we'll share all of that information. And you can check us out at The Drama Podcast right. on Twitter and Instagram. And as Connor mentioned follow him he's trying to get those like an hour ago i was like follow me and the message is you know still out there to everyone uh, i'm just being stupid and also follow dylan because you know dylan kills it on twitter at dylan mcdowell um okay i'm annoying myself um george thank you we love you we love you so much i love you and- guys too thank you for having me on all right connor we will see you next time drama